We are delighted to be joined by the man that invented Christian podcasting 20 years ago, as well as being an author and all-round exceptionally busy man. It's Dave Jenkins. Hello and welcome to Exposit the Word, Dave. Hey, thank you so much, Dave, for having me. It's a it's an honor to be on any show and it's also humbling to be asked. So thank you for the honor of coming on this great show of yours. Oh, thank you for your time, Dave. It's brilliant to have you. So before we get stuck into the questions, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dave. Well, uh, obviously, my name is Dave Jenkins. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm happily married uh, to my beautiful wife, Sarah. Yeah. Uh, we've been married uh, 13 and a half years. We live in the greater L.A. area, uh, just really an hour north of L.A. in in, uh, in the middle of the Mojave Desert. It's going to be over 100 degrees this week when we record this. So wow. it's, it's really hot. That's Fahrenheit, by the way, yeah. uh, not Celsius. You <laughs> yeah. know, I, I'm an American, so <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I you know, we, we have um, we have one dog. He's 13 years old. And uh, we have a 10-year-old uh, calico cat. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, I have been in ministry for about 20 years and uh here coming up and uh next month and uh i love i love that and it's a it's a joy to wake up and serve the lord and get to talk to people lots and lots of people about jesus every day and hopefully hopefully help contribute in some small way to their spiritual growth and and um i get to write i get to speak uh so very thankful for that. I, I love to go to movies. Yeah. Um, I, I play I play golf. I'm I, I'm not your average player of golf. I I played varsity golf in high school, so um, I I was very very good. I I had a below. I, I shot par or better. Um, my my handicap was actually below par. Huh. Um, so I, uh, I'm, I'm still fairly good. I, I can hit my driver pretty well, but I, I really only play Dave about once or twice a year. So, yeah. um, like the other day I, I shot uh, four over par on nine holes, which was 40 and, um, I couldn't putt, I couldn't make a putt and that <laughs> irritated me, but you know, it, it, I don't play enough to practice. So yeah. I'm just out there to have fun and smile and, and, and blow off some steam. And I, I really enjoy that. So. Well, I've watched Happy Gilmore, and I've seen your golf courses in America. You have, like, alligators and crocodiles walking around, right? Yeah, that, that would be, like, in Florida or the South, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, South Carolina, North Carolina, I believe, Georgia. Well, maybe, probably mostly Florida, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, but not, not here. We we don't. We, it's just all desert here, so mostly. Oh, okay. Sure thing. So, how did you first become a Christian, Dave? Yeah, that's a great question. I was saved by the sovereign grace of God at, at the age of five. Uh, we had just we had just got my mom was driving. Obviously, I, I wasn't driving at the age of five. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't worry about that. But uh, we had just gotten rear-ended a little bumper, and that shook me up. And um, I was sitting on my my mom and I were sitting in the in the living room, and uh, I was sitting on her lap, and I, I said, "Mom, I, I need Jesus." And I I just remember very distinctively after that event, just always following Jesus, although very imperfectly. And uh, there was lots of struggles in, in between that time, uh, since that time in my life, and lots of difficult things that, that happened. But I just remember ever since always following Jesus. So. Oh, wow. And then, so how did that play out? How did you then, you know, join a church? And how did what was the next steps you took there, Dave? Yeah, we, we were already we were already going to church faithfully. So I, I remember being and I remember being in Bible churches and uh, even singing in choir when I before my you know I hit puberty and uh, yeah. you know uh, then I then my voice deepened obviously and I I couldn't sing very well after that. <laughs> but I just remember I just remember being involved in church and it being a priority. My well, I, my parents told me you know I, they named me Dave Dave David so that I would you know serve the Lord and um, actually uh, I have two uh, on uh, both of my great grandfathers are pastors or were pastors yeah. itinerant pastors and local church pastors and uh, uh, that kind of hit has hit me with the ministry um, it seems like every other generation in our family tree that, that's happened and 
And so, you know, it, it hit me, you know, I was, I was really involved in playing sports and, and in ministry activities and, uh, for mo- most of my life. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wrestled with whether to be in ministry or to play golf. And there was this test that I took, uh, aptitude, what are you going to do with your life kind of test? Yeah. And it was funny. Uh, this test was either you're going to be a professional athlete or you're going to be in the clergy or ministry, you know? And I was like, that's, that's, uh, that's really ironic. That that's, uh, well, I mean, that was Providence of course, but yeah. it was also ironic to me because I was wrestling with, Hey, do I go be a professional golfer or do I, which I was encouraged to, uh, or, or do I go in ministry? And obviously we know how that, that played out. I ended up going in, in ministry and uh so yeah sure so when did you start first get a desire to start podcasting and writing and also what came first yeah i started i started teaching the bible as a sophomore in in high school um at at my high school uh we had started some sort of like bible club and i i just remember teaching at that and that quickly grew to to fill a whole classroom and um, I remember helping out in, in high school in a variety of ways, going on missions trips and all those sorts of things. And my junior year in high school, I, I started writing devotional for my friends in high school at the youth group. And that, that just grew uh, outside of the youth group and uh, the, the people that I was writing for. And I ended up starting uh, Servants of Grace two months after graduating high school at 19. Yeah. Uh, two years later, I, I started preaching expository sermons through the Bible um, on the internet radio station at the age of 21. Wow, that's so cool. You, you, you started doing this nearly 20 years ago. Did people even have the internet back then, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, uh, that's funny, man. That's funny. What, what I just completely different because you know you didn't even have myspace yeah uh, that, which was really the, the first major social network till yeah. 2003 i had to look it up when it was started uh, <laughs> i remember joining i looked that up today i forgot uh when it started but i i remember i think joining that in 2004 uh, uh and then uh you know social media like twitter and facebook followed it later uh, there wasn't even uh, smart cell phones. I remember getting my first cell phone uh, in 2000. It was just a, it was like a brick one, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was a Nokia something or other. I, I don't remember <laughs> what it was, but um, it, it was a really different time. You didn't have, you know, social media like we had today or, or smartphones on your phone. You know, you had groups and you had forums and, um, you know, you didn't have small laptops like they have today. Yeah. Uh, so I started many of those groups and those forums. I posted my stuff there. Uh, and I don't really remember, to be honest, who the audience was at the time. I, I just was wanting to get faithful theology out there grounded in the Bible. And, and that was a huge need. I, I didn't really know how much of a need that was, but it was. And now, now obviously, I do. It's a huge need. Um, you know, over the years, Servants of Grace, as I mentioned, has grown from being an email list. We're, we're a full-fledged multimedia ministry. We have eight podcasts right now. We tackle a lot of different subjects. I interview authors. So we have a men's and a women's podcast. We cover productivity. We have a productivity podcast. Um, you know, we have expository sermons, questions and answers. These are consumed in the by the, by the grace of God uh, tens of thousands of times. Uh, in 2014, my wife and I started Theology for Life. Um, this is a quarterly magazine. It's aimed to help lay people yeah. on a variety of biblical and theological, moral and ethical issues, all from the Reformed theological tradition. Um, over six years, our magazine, again, by the by the kindness of God, has grown to tens of thousands of people consuming each digital issue. Uh, we also offer at Servants of Grace daily Bible studies in written form each Monday through Friday, daily articles on a variety of subjects on what is the gospel, the gospel in the Christian life, the gospel in the church and ministry that uh, almost our 300 writers uh, uh, write on. You can go to servantsofgrace.org and uh, click on uh, our guest submission guidelines. We'd welcome you to, to write for us. Uh, that email will go to me, so don't be scared. I, I am a nice guy. I, I like to talk to people. Um, I, I started interviewing people on Equipping You in Grace in 2015. That, that's grown and grown. We have, we have thousands of people who listen to that. That just amazes me. Um, the growth of this ministry 
over now almost 20 years on August 2nd coming up. It's amazed me. It's been beyond anything I've ever really imagined. Uh, I mean, how do you ever imagine something blowing up? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you just don't. <laughs> yeah. uh, my, my only desire really and my heart behind it has always been just to help people learn to love the Lord and the word he's given people so they might know the biblical God and, and grow in his grace and be equipped to, to serve you know, our God. So, yeah. So so good. You you are so busy, and we're going to get into the um, logistics of how you manage your diary in in a little bit. But before we do that, I'm really interested as to you know who your first guests were that you interviewed and who your favourites were. So who was the first guest that you interviewed? Can you remember? Yeah, yeah. I actually had to look this up too. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Good question. Uh, you know, my first guest was uh, was my good friend, Dr. Brian Cosby. He's he's a he's an author. Yeah. Um, he's published with PNR and a, a few others, Christian Focus, uh, David C. Cook. He's a, he's a PCA pastor. He's a professor of church history at Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta. Among other things, he he has going on uh, that would take too long to list. But yeah. uh, I had the honor at that time of uh, endorsing his book, Uncensored: Daring to Embrace the Entire Bible, and uh, which came out in 2015. And I had him on my Equipping You in Grace show on October 11th. So it was the second episode in the history of Equipping You in Grace. Uh, the first episode aired, for those who don't know, October fifth, two thousand fifteen. Um, to your to your question about who's been my favorite guest, um, yeah, this is a tough one for me. Yeah. Uh, it, I've loved, I really have loved all the guests I've had on. Uh, so many of them have become friends of mine. Uh, I don't just think of them as just trying to promote their book. I I, I try to you know engage them and get to know them, and uh, I I really do truly love people. Um, and so I enjoy talking to them and that I, the fact that I get to interview who I do is, it's just a, a, an absolute honor, a humbling honor. Uh, with that said, you asked who's been my favorite guest. I'll yeah. have to narrow it down as best as I can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's my answer. Uh, <laughs> I got to interview Dr. Michael Horton. He's had a huge impact on my uh, theology over the years, uh, on his book on the Holy Spirit a few years back. I got to interview Dr. John Frame, another man who's had a profound influence on my theological development several times. Yeah. That was a huge, huge honor to me. Um because I've read both of their books since I was a teenager, so I'm yeah. like, pitch me. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, there's uh, so many others that have had a huge impact on me that I've got to interview. Matt Perman, Costi uh, Hen, Jared C. Wilson, Brian Chappell, Dr. Jason Meyer, Dr. Don Whitney, Dr. Joel Beakey, Dr. Matthew Barrett, uh, Dr. Ed Welsh, Dr. Paul Tuggs, uh, Dr. Dane Orland, Dr. Tom Schreiner, Dr. Stephen Wellham. And I mean, I can honestly yeah. just go through the list. I've, I, I, I've done 286 of author interviews now, which, wow. I mean, that's that amazes me. So, yeah. I mean, God has just been incredibly kind uh, to get to interview so, so many people that have had uh, an impact on my Christian life and ministry and, and on the lives of you know thousands of millions of people so that that's been amazing who is the one guest that you would love to have on that you've not managed to have on yet oh man that's a that's a really tough question um i would love to interview michael reeves yeah um yeah i i i really appreciate his his ministry a lot and um uh, oh also alistair Begg. that yeah. would be amazing yeah yeah uh, uh kevin DeYoung. So those are probably three. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great stuff. Have you ever had the chance to meet any of your guests in person over the years? Yes. Many, 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 many. I, I can't remember all of them. I had to I had to go back and look, but here's some of them. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Brian Cosby, Dr. Michael Horton, Dr. Don Whitney, Doug Bond, Dr. Bob Kellerman, Grant Castleberry, Dr. Julius Kim, Dr. David Steele, Nate Pickowitz, uh, Dr. Ray Ortland, Aaron Armstrong, Costi Hinn, John Crotz, Matt Perman, uh, and I'm sure on and on I could go. I, I just can't remember. One of the great things that you're you're so good at, Dave, is maintaining relationships. We've been, in, you know, connected for a while, and you're such a great guy, reaching out, you know, every so often, making sure that you know everyone's okay. Yeah, you know that that just comes from uh, yeah. The Lord has been very kind. You know, I, I've gone through a lot of pain in my life. Mm. Uh, my parents were divorced, and uh, that that was really 
traumatic for me. Um, I knew it was coming. You know, it happened my uh, sophomore year in high school, and um, it took about a decade until I got married, really, uh, to get over that. And uh, I, through that, I, I've gone through a lot of pain, and and uh, so I really, I really have a heart for people that are hurting and struggling. Mm-hmm. I, I was always taught of. And, and model, you know, you come alongside hurting people, you know, you bear Galatians 6, 1, you bear each other's burdens. You know, we have the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who the, the, the meaning of the paraclete is to come alongside of us. So the Holy Spirit comes alongside. So we've been equipped by one who, by the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. And we're supposed to come alongside other people and to bear each other's burdens and, and lift each other up. And so that, that's really always just been my heart. Plus, Plus, um, just the, again, modeling uh, relate, very relational and solid theological ministry by by pastors that I've had, and um, has made a big, deep impact on me. So, mm. I mean, that that's where that that really comes from. So, yeah. Well, thank you for doing that, Dave, because it's a real encouragement. You know, really, really appreciate you for doing that. Praise God! It's a pleasure. Just like us, you have to read a lot, both for the show. But how do you manage that so that you can still get time to read what you want? Yeah, man, that's that's a good question. <laughs> I get this question a lot. Yeah. How do you have time to read? Well, sometimes, honestly, I don't. Yeah. But I, I, like everybody else, I have to carve out time specifically for reading books I want. You know, And when I say I want, that, that's not for articles or magazine or, or anything of books or anything like that it's yeah. just reading for you know what publishers send me by god's grace you know i i get a lot of books and so they come in and you know i i just kind of like hey am i interested in this one or not or or sometimes i'll re- well, oftentimes i'll request them and and so am i really going to read this am i really interested or is it just going to kind of go on the shelf and sometimes you know it just goes on the shelf and that's okay you know i'm i'm one guy you know yeah. um and so I have to let it go. Um, I've had to learn, and for my own sanity and and um, those things. But I usually end up reading when I do at night before bed. Uh, but mostly I read a lot on the weekends um, in the afternoons. So lots of Christians that we speak to are really busy people, and I'm always interested to speak with and get pro tips from people that are doing busy really well. How do you manage your diary? Yeah, that's this is a really good question. It's a, it's an important question. It's also another question I get often. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I use uh, I use Evernote. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I got this from my friend Matt Herman. I, I kind of modified his thoughts. He's the my friend Matt is the author of What's Best Next, and he's yeah. kind of like the productivity guru <laughs> uh, in in our circles, uh, reform circles. And yeah. So he advocates using Evernote. So I kind of taken that and I I. I have my day scheduled in blocks. So one block is is from usually from seven to noon. I, I work on various things for Servants of Grace, you know, email, editing posts for the next day, uh, working on various author interviews or interview opportunities like this that the Lord's provided, yeah. um, and more. You know, then from the uh, in the afternoon from noon to four, I work on writing assignments from various publications or that, that I've been given or book projects. Work on studying for various series I'm doing on the podcast I host and then you know record for the various podcasts I host that that's typically the typical day for me um you know there might be if there's an author interview or a meeting thrown in there that's that's okay but that's generally what most days look like for me um about three or four each day p.m each day I'm I'm done for the day I, I shut off my laptop and then I spend time with family or or I do whatever chores I need to around the house and I relax until I go to sleep how do you yeah. avoid burnout? Yeah, yeah, this is a good question. You know, just kind of touching on what I what I just mentioned, you know, I have to let a lot of things go, and I've had to learn to not beat myself up about that. Yeah. Uh, that that's been huge for me because, you know, I am a type A personality, and a type A personality wants to get everything done right then. So I have to, I have to schedule what I'm going to do for that day and just be okay with what happens. And this is kind of part of my answer to burnout, too, just to start. But it, it's such an important question question and um i burned out you know i'll be honest uh three times in my life twice in my 20s and once in my uh, early ish mid 30s i believe and i'm not 
not talking here as somebody who just knows this in theory in his mm-hmm. head. Uh, I know this. Uh, I'm somebody who's really burnt out, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the best way I've learned to avoid burnout is to make sure I have a schedule that works for me, like I just talked about. And when I'm off, I'm off. And I've had to also make a, a, a practice, for example, if I've had a hard day, a particularly hard day, uh, just letting it go and, and do what I can and, and just letting it go and not pushing past it. Uh, in my 20s, I would just push past whatever happened. Yeah. And and that is really, really unhealthy, I've, I've learned. Yeah. And uh, I also can't do it anymore, so I have to stop yeah. and just relax. But. I think one of the things we have to acknowledge as Christian leaders is our limitations, just as Christians in general, I'll just say it that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're finite beings. God is infinite. He's sovereign. And, and so we have to acknowledge our limitations. Otherwise, you know, we'll crash and burn. And, and so I spend regular time the word and prayer. I listen to good Christian music a lot, um, in particular when I write. I, I also listen to classical music like Mozart. I, I actually often write to classical music, interesting enough. Yeah. Um, uh, and Faithful Church Church attendance is uh, really crucial for me. Uh, it should be for every Christian. I also have a number of close friends I'm, I'm in open and honest communication with about stuff in my life. They they pray for me. They encourage me. They they speak into my life. And I, I, I have also been working on daily taking walks. I'm, I'm honestly not always successful in that. Yeah, yeah. But I, when I do, I always feel better. Uh, another thing I do that helps me is to set a timer uh, every two hours and take a break, go swing my golf club for five, ten minutes outside in the Southern California sunshine. That that's always uh, I always feel better after that. So yeah, we live in an age where the internet is both a blessing and a curse. People are only a click, one click away from listening to all sorts of twisted teaching. How do you encourage people to discern well? Boy, I, I really, really appreciate this question. I, I really do. You know, the idea for discernment, uh, as no doubt your listeners know, comes from First uh, Thessalonians five twenty one, and with it, Paul is talking about the idea of carefully examining everything. Yeah. Uh, the the Greek word also means to analyze, to test, or to prove. It carries with it the idea of a process of testing something to prove its genuineness as in the testing of precious metals Mm. Uh, paul wants the thessalonians and and christians today to examine everything to test it everything they hear or read or uh, to perceive whether that is genuine so they can distinguish between what is true and false and to separate you know the good from evil Paul wanted, in other words, every Christian to examine ideas critically, but to avoid being critical of people. That is, that's a that's a really important distinction. Mm. Uh, within within that framework, I think it's vital in encouraging people to discern well. Uh, to the question, we we have to help them learn how to read and study and memorize and meditate and apply the Bible. That's something I, I harp on often, and I and I think one of the best ways and and you and you do this so well. This is why I love about expose the word is your desire is to get people in the word expose the word what does that mean it means we got (laughs) to preach faithful expository sermons which are uh, i would just define very basically minimally uh, as preaching the point of the biblical text uh, uh, as the point of the sermon and then that points them to christ throughout uh and during the sermon you know however you want to however you want to do that. I'm just saying uh, the point of the text has to be preached and Christ has to be proclaimed. That That's all I mean. You know, I, I don't think that's controversial at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, how you go about that is controversial, I know, but that, that's all. I'm just trying to keep it at a very basic level there. You know, such sermons are, are only one, one means that we can help people learn to be discerning. Uh, another thing I've hinted at already is, is individually getting in the Word to read, to study, to meditate, to memorize, and to apply it through the Holy Spirit to your life. You know, uh, in the United States, uh, the president is protected by the United States Secret Service. But, but the, the Secret Service not only is charged with protecting the president— you know, and the White House mm. and, um, you know, his his the cabinet and all those things. Uh, they're charged with making sure essentially that the dollar is protected from fraud. And so a Secret Service agent will study the dollar bill. They'll master the dollar bill. They'll look at it, you know, yeah. so that they can spot a fake. Yeah. Christians are, are to grow in mastery of the scriptures. 
uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy uh, 2.15 that we're to rightly handle the, the word of God and to be workmen who are unashamed. This entails excellence in rightly handling the word of God. The only way to discern well, to, to answer the question, is to rightly handle the Word. Yeah. This requires understanding how to read, how to study, to meditate, to memorize, and apply the Word of God, both individually and in community with the people of God. So those are those are some thoughts. Yeah, so good. Having been a Christian for a long time, have you changed your theological position on anything over the years? Brother, you really want to get me in trouble with this question, don't you? <laughs> No, <laughs> just just interested. <laughs> oh, I know, I know, man. I, I could spend the whole time, our whole time together, talking about this. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a brief time where I believe tongues was for today. I I even remember one time uh, I was like a freshman or sophomore in college, and I was walking down the road and I, I was praying out loud, and I started speaking an unknown language. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was tongues. Um, then I started slowly believing in the charismatic gifts, and, and with it I also believed for a time, uh, though I never taught that it was okay for women to be pastors. Uh, before that, I never held those positions. You know, like I mentioned, I just I had one experience where I spoke in tongues, and and uh, I become convinced uh, as well uh, through study of scripture that um, and church history that that charismatic gifts aren't for today. I'm going to get into that here just right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons for this, but I think one of the biggest reasons for for not believing in the charismatic gifts today is is the point of miracles. And spiritual gifts, which aren't for show and say, hey, how great I am, but but they point to the glory of God. Mm. You know, miracles in Jesus' ministry, they were they were they had a point, right? They were to yeah. show off his divinity and his power over creation. Um, you think of the the water turned into wine, for example. You know, at the very the, 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 in John two, at the very end, uh, the, the 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 guests are amazed because Jesus is bringing out the very best of the wine. When in that culture, the very best of the wine was brought out. You know, at the beginning, and so these these people are already sloshed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to put it yeah. mildly, and and they're amazed because Jesus has you know. Given the best of the wine, you're given the very best. Yeah, uh, that that's a miracle, you know, and it. So the miracles always show his divinity, uh, and they always point to his, you know, his power over creation. Uh, and, but we also know, was saying that all those miracles they demonstrate to people that that Jesus was who he said he was, and he and he is, was and is, and that he's come to do what he said he would. But even so, people reject him. They harden their hearts. You know, in, the, the, in John 5 through 11, we see this very clearly. The, the, the Pharisees' hearts are continually hardened and hardened, um, you know, to the point where they can't believe like Pharaoh yeah. in, in Egypt, you know. And, and so uh, people reject him despite his miracles. And the same is true with spiritual gifts like tongues. You know, at one time they may have authenticated the message, the gospel message, which is the power of God, Paul says in Romans 1.16. Uh, but there's no need for any authentication for the gospel message now. Um, I know that's not a small thing to say, okay? Yeah, yeah. I, I really do. Uh, but it's because of 66 books that constitute the inspired and uh, authoritative, sufficient and clear word of God they've been given. And so the major reason for me why I reject the, the charismatic gifts for today is because of the sufficiency of Scripture. Yeah. Uh, one example is charismatics often equate experience with the Holy Spirit at the same level of Scripture. But this is a denial of the sufficiency of Scripture, mm-hmm. which teaches that Scripture alone is sufficient for the, for the faith, the life, and the practice of Christians and the people of God. Yeah. So by equating feelings at the same level of Scripture or often engaging in unbiblical practices— Charismatics often undermine the sufficiency of Scripture, which, by extension, is and I, and I and I say this lo- I say this as lovingly as I can. Yeah. Although I know it's a strong statement, uh, when when that happens, when you undermine the sufficiency of Scripture, by extension, you're undermining the whole of Scripture itself. Mm-hmm. So that that's one big issue, and and I can say the same thing applies with the woman pastor thing. Yeah. So when you look back at that occasion when you spoke in tongues, Dave. How do you kind of articulate what was going on there now? Now you know what you know now. 
Yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a really good question. I'm not sure I really have a, a, a necessarily a good answer. I, I would say that uh, you know, as I studied scripture uh, more and more about the subject, and and I understand both sides of that. I'm not saying that. I just want to be clear here. I'm not saying that the charismatic are any less Christian than the uh, than the, yeah. the you know the cessationists or anything like that. I I, I don't go wacky on that. Yeah. I understand both sides of the the equation. Uh, but um, for me, as I've studied and I've thought and I've thought long and hard on this subject, you know, I, I even mentioned my experience. Mm. Um, you know, Scripture is our final authority. Yeah. And so it's not my it, again, it's not my experience of speaking in tongues that matters. Yeah. You know, that doesn't save anyway. Some people think it saves. Yeah. Friend, it doesn't save. Yeah. Okay. You you getting baptized in the spirit and speaking as tongues as evidence. There's there's not one verse in the Bible that, that says that. Yeah. So just as I kept, I guess the answer is as I as I kept studying it, Scripture kept it, the Holy Spirit kept checking me. It's like no, you can't go there. That that's not consistent with the whole of Revelation, and it's not consistent. See, God is always consistent. He's a, he's a God of order and logic, you know, and and so he. He doesn't go again. The Holy Spirit doesn't work outside of Scripture. Yeah. And so if we're going to be honest, if he doesn't work out, if we're going to say and argue, as we do, this, that, that God works according to, only according to Scripture mm. and not according to my feelings, mm. then we have to concede. I had to concede, and I had to wrestle with that fact and, and believe it, that that's the way he works. He works according to the word and not outside of the word. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's, it's, it's a question of, okay, do I actually believe this word in practice or do I not? And if not, then my feelings have taken over and won the day. And I have, I have, as I mentioned, undermined the sufficiency of scripture and then the whole of scripture for what? Yeah. My feelings. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we, we have to be so, so careful. And I, and I also just want to come back to this. Okay. Just, just for a second. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that anybody is, is, is more or less Christian because you know, they, they undermine the, the scripture. Although I will say if, if that's what you're doing, if that's what you're doing, if you're placing feelings on the same level as the scripture, you're undermining scripture mm. and, and you're engaging in unbelief and that and unbelief doesn't honor God. Yeah. So we have to be, we have to be so careful, uh, you know, I don't want to. I'm not questioning anybody's salvation when I said what I did. I'm just saying, like, if you're putting your script, uh, scripture, and your feelings on the same level, you know, like I have a table in front of me. So if I have a, I have a Bible there, and I put my feelings next to the Bible, right? Yeah. If I put them on the same par with each other, uh, that's that's where we get wrong. Instead, it has to be I put now right just right now I put uh, the Bible my Bible over my, my hand. So my hand would represent my feelings and scripture would be above my feelings because what scripture is, is trustworthy. It's reliable. It, it tells and it speaks to my feelings. It tells them this is how you should respond to these things and, and life, not, not whether I speak in tongues or anything like that. We often conflate those, those issues. I don't know. Does that, help yeah absolutely and we we also know dave don't we we can't trust our heart we can't trust our feelings as 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 sinners you know and and we also know that the enemy likes to come dressed as an angel of light and you know tempt us with our feelings as well so that's why like you said earlier on everything has to be tested against the word of god right amen brother amen we spoke earlier about how long you've been running your ministry, for which means that you started when you were really young. What advice would you have for a young Christian wanting to get involved in ministry work? Yikes. Uh, this is a tough one, too. <laughs> um, you know, lots, of, lots of tough answers here, uh, for sure. I would say be very slow to start in ministry work at a young age. Uh, that, 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 again, is not... A discouragement from being in ministry at a young age either if i do that i just undermined everything i already just said yeah. about scripture yeah. <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. so i'm not suggesting i'm not denying or 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 denying first timothy 4 12 is wrong which says let no one despise you for your youth but set uh set uh the believers an example in speech and conduct and in love and faith and purity you know you know you, you gotta be in 
community, uh, whether you're young or old, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's especially important for those who are like me. You know, I, um, I, I this text that I just read is it's very clear uh, what it says to young people, which Timothy was. So if the Lord is calling you at a young age, I would just say, you know, to be involved in ministry, please study what this text is saying, what Paul is saying to Timothy here. Take it very, very seriously. Yeah. I would also say get lots of accountability and, and encourage uh, – I would encourage a young man to seek out an older man like their pastor, their elders in the local church to, to, to be mentored and, and to have them speak in your life. Uh, and I also want to say, if that's you listening today, uh, let's just be honest with those guys that are in your life. You're, if you're praying for that kind of accountability, then you also need to, to pray about being honest and open with them uh, because then it's not going to help. I, I can say that because I remember I remember uh, I was I was 20 and I was meeting with a pastor. I was involved in camp, campus ministry, and I really wasn't open and honest. And I, I had things in my life that were dishonoring to God. I, I ended up having to leave that position. I, 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 had a, I was enslaved to pornography at the time, and I came out, and I was, I was honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the pastor had said he wanted me to become a pastoral intern, and I, I knew at that point I, I, I just I couldn't go any further. You know, yeah. I, so I was honest with him. I, I got removed for a time uh, from that particular ministry, and uh, that was good for me. You know, that that was uh, really, really good. Um, you know, it was hard at the time, yeah. but, but all, uh, that's why I'm saying you need to be open and honest. Um, at a young age, I was also prideful. I, I knew a lot. I knew the answers to theological questions, but I wasn't always open. I wasn't always honest. I wasn't, I didn't communicate openly. I, I kind of would just answer your if you asked me how I was, I would just kind of give a surface answer, and you know, I would give a good enough answer that you wouldn't a- ask any questions. Of, but people wouldn't ask any questions further. But if they dug a little deeper, uh, I would have been in big trouble. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to be in ministry at a young age, you have to get lots of accountability. You have to get friendships with others in ministry and cultivate those friendships. It's it's so easy to stumble and fall. We we see this over and over again. To the fall into impurity these days, and and to fall into the trap of believing discouraging news, and and to get discouraged by Satan's lies. It's easier to do that than ever. So that's why you got to get in the Word. You got to yourself daily to arm yourself with biblical truth and. And to get friends and pastors surround you and help you. So so those are some of the things I would say. Yeah, so good, Dave, so good. If you could turn back time, what would you do differently, Dave? Well, I want to be really honest with this uh, answer, with this answer right? and I've sort of hinted at my answer, but I'm just going to come out and say it. Hmm. You know, if I had to start over as a 19-year-old, I would prioritize older men speaking to my life, and as Titus 2 says, you know, older men... Uh, you know, mentor, come alongside, disciple uh, younger men, and, and be. I would try. I would aim to be more open and honest with them, and and to heed whatever counsel they would give with the sermon. Of course, you know the very the Lord very quickly. I think it's obvious He grew this work, the ministry that He's given me very quickly. I, I really wasn't ready. Uh, later in my 30s, I, I had this thought, and I posted on social media that the more influence you have, the more accountability you need. And I still stand by that statement because uh, that's true for whatever influence you have, whether you have a lot or a little. Yeah. Uh, it's so, so easy to believe the press that you hear and, and to take it to heart. Uh, what we need to do uh, when we get to, uh, get encouragement is to give thanks to the Lord and then immediately offer it as a praise and a thanks offering to the Lord. Mm. Uh, by doing that, we're not going to take, you know, whether, whether it's positive or negative news to heart. Uh, obviously, the good news, we can be encouraged by it. Yeah. Uh, for example, in my early 20s, I took such encouragement and, and thanks from people for the things that I was doing to heart. Uh, and I, it made me very prideful very quickly. Uh, because I got so much of it. Yeah. And, and I would also say to my younger self, cultivate humility. Listen, when, when people say hard things or, or, or say hard things to you that is critical, to, uh, about, uh, critical about your work or about you personally, I would say pray about it. Think hard about it. If it's true at all, just repent and apologize. Don't don't be defensive about it. You know, mm. we're we're so quick to be defensive. But, but the more you comprehend your sinfulness mm. and, and the grace of God and, and over time, 
uh, man, I just realized I need that. I, I need to be less critical about it. I might get upset about it. I won't lie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a human being. Okay. I get upset about when people say hard things and critical about me, I, I get upset. Yeah. And, but th- then I have to go back and I have to pray about it. Think about it. Is that true? If it is, then I have to repent and I have mm. to apologize. Mm. So I would, I would also say to my younger self, uh, not to kill myself working so, so hard. I, I would work 12, 15 hour days. You don't know, have an eight hour work limit and, and just give the rest to the Lord and trust it to the Lord. Yeah. Uh, that would be big, a big thing I would say to myself as a 20 year old. And I'm still going to preach that to myself because I still struggle with that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, trust the Lord with the ministry. It doesn't belong to you, Fred. Give thanks to the Lord for however the Lord is using you. But, but don't get discouraged if he isn't working as, and notice how I say it, as you want. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't have... 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 followers or however many clicks you want. It's never going to be enough because you'll graduate maybe up to that point and then you'll want more. If the Lord is sovereign over the work of your hands and, and the good news is he'll do with it what he wants. Yeah. So our job is to be faithful and, and God's going to bless it however he wants and he's going to use our work however he wants. So that's some things, uh, just to reiterate, cultivate humility, cultivate friendships, cultivate spiritual growth. And, and one last thing, cultivate friendship with your spouse and your family. Mm-hmm. Don't let ministry take priority over your over your personal walk with Jesus over your family. Now, in my family tree, uh, I mentioned both of my great-grandfathers were pastors. They did this. Mm-hmm. One of them did. And they prioritize their ministry over their family, and and that just never works. It never works because you know when you go and die, and everybody's going to die, and and if you're a Christian, you're going to go be with Jesus immediately. You know, you'll be immediately transferred into the presence of God. Uh, guess what? Fifty or hundred years from now, how do you want to be remembered in your family? Do you want to be remembered as that guy who was in ministry in your family tree? And, and you prioritize your ministry reaching more people than your family? Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope not. Mm-hmm. If, if that's you, I, I encourage you to get out of ministry. Yeah. Uh, get right priorities and, and be honest with people. I say that, by the way, in love. I, I, I just say that in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, get right priorities. Get help if that's you. That, that would be my first thing to say. Uh, but if you don't want to get help and you don't want to do that, please get out. Just get out. Yeah. Uh, get right, get right priorities. Be honest with people close to you, holding accountability with your, with the way that you use your time. And it's so critical. We can avoid so, so much burnout of pastors and ministry leaders leaving the ministry this way. Um, you know, we just had one, another. It seems like every few months, maybe once or twice a year. You know, we have pastors uh, uh, committing suicide, and and it just breaks my heart because uh i personally know the struggle with depression um you know i uh i i was um i don't have bipolar and i don't have add or adhd but it was diagnosed that when my when my parents were going through uh, a divorce because i was so depressed mm-hmm. and all these psychologists all they did was dump me on so much medication but but I didn't have it. I got I, I in fact a nurse took me off this medicine and and, and the the counselor at school and my golf coach and other people would say, what's different about you? Yeah. I'm like, well, I believe in Jesus, <laughs> you know, yeah. I believe in Jesus. But they weren't talking about Jesus. They were talking about my emotional disposition. Mm-hmm. They were talking about my how I how my my just overall how I felt about myself, how I interacted with people. It was different. And so, so I, I would just say, you know, if that's you, if you're struggling, I, I really, I understand what that's like. You know, I was, I was on a lot of medication, you know, I, I've been there. I've, I've struggled with that. And, uh, by God's grace, I, I don't, uh, struggle so much with the depression, although I, I sometimes struggle with the anxiety, but, you know, just, just be open and honest. That's why I'm saying the things I am mm-hmm. is 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 to just just get you to open up be honest with people you know if you can't do that then you're never going to last in ministry you know the people that i know that have lasted in ministry this is what the things they do and this is why i'm saying the things that i am so much wisdom dave this is this is like the podcasting version of ecclesiastes right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> what's your favorite book of the bible God, you know i mean yeah i just had to 
I've just had to learn through a lot of experience and a lot of just opening the Bible, studying it, a lot of, you know, hard conversations with, with people and a lot of prayerful thought and a lot of repentance. So. Yeah, yeah. No, amazing. What's your favorite book of the Bible, Dave? Man, this is this is a tough question. You know, I love the whole Bible so much. Yeah. If, if I have to only pick one, and I'll, I really will only pick one this time, uh, <laughs> it's Hebrews. I got you. you. Know, Hebrews, Hebrews is written to a, a church that's struggling. You know, they're they're facing persecution, and and um, they're given warnings. Hey, if you don't heed these warnings, you're going to fall. You're going to fall into sin. Now, some people take this as, you know, a conditional, and, but it, that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't jive with the, the overall point, which is uh, the, the main point of it is that Christ is greater. He's better than every way, yeah. than, than everything. You know, he, he is utterly sufficient. Um, you think of uh, uh, Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, and uh, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 have been huge in my life. You know, in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, Christ summons us uh, before the throne of grace. Yeah. You know, that that's where we can go as Christians. And he, he, he understands Hebrews 2, uh, 17 through 18, um, you know, are huge because it says that Christ is he's able to, to empathize with us. You know, he's unlike us. He's, he's without sin. He is sinless. Well, we know what Jesus came to do, right? Yeah. He's a sinless substitute. He paid the penalty in our place. Yeah. He experienced the full weight of the fury of uh, the wrath of God, God the Father on the cross. And, um, you know, our guilt was, you know, finally and forever transferred to him. And he paid the penalty and it imputes our, uh, his righteousness to mm-hmm. us. Um, praise God for that. You know, yeah. uh, it, it's also been, I've, I've kind of just mentioned this in the verses I mentioned from Hebrews, but uh, the teaching about the intercessory and high priestly ministry of Jesus and is so, so vital. It's so rich. It's so neglected, I think, in the church today, um, along with its, its teaching on the promises of God and how they're gr- so great. Yeah. Who wrote Hebrews, Dave? You would ask me that. I mean, the, the, the diplomatic answer is we don't know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who say Paul or, yeah. or Luke or, or somebody or uh, Apollos, yeah. you know, because of his uh, knowledge of Greek. I mean, we don't know. The, the author doesn't identify himself. I don't think it's possible that it's Luke because, I mean, you look at the way Luke and Acts are and, yeah. and he would have identified himself. I think that it's not probably likely Paul because he, at the end of his letters, always signs it. So um, in some form or another, he gives some sort of like greeting. And I don't think we really see that. So we just, we don't really know who wrote it. And the other thing to say about Hebrews is, um, that's often not mentioned, is that it's the longest expository sermon that we have in the Bible. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it would have been all these epistles would have been, you know, they, they when they were delivered, it, they were delivered in the Greco-Roman culture, um, for those of you who don't know, and they would have been read out loud. You yeah. know, so all of the Bible would have been read out loud in this culture yeah. when it was delivered. All Paul's letters or John's or or even the book of Hebrews or, or for example, Revelation, they were first delivered uh, out loud. And, and then, you know, they were obviously uh, expounded and taught and, and those types of things. So, yeah. yeah, it was an expository sermon written to a, a, a suffering church, but we don't know who the author is. Yeah, so good. As somebody that's read millions of books, Dave, what book outside the Bible has helped you grow the most in your faith? Oh, boy. I don't know if it's millions, but <laughs> it's, it's quite a lot. But uh, <laughs> this is probably the hardest question, man. Oh, boy. You know, honestly, John Piper's Desiring God has been huge in my life, but yeah. equally so has, has been the work of R.C. Sproul, John Frame, Charles Spurgeon, John Owen, I mean, on and on you got uh, John Calvin. I mean, uh, the, the, uh, of those, John Owen in particular um, has been very influential on in my thought. His teaching on mortification and dwelling sin is just so, so vital because – we have such a, you know, one of the things I love about Owen is he has such a realistic view of, of life, right? Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't, uh, you know, he's weighty, he's he's heavy, right? Yeah. But but he's also eminently practical, yeah. and and he would he would point he points out things 
And then he goes on, you know, for, I don't know, 50 or 100 pages, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, it tells you why that thing is. And he, and he makes you feel some weight in it. Yeah. There's a weightiness to it. Yeah. Um, so, so he makes you sit and camp in that thought. You know, he doesn't rush through it. He's not in a he's not in a uh, in a big hurry. He 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 makes you feel the weight of it. And I think in particular, uh, there's a weightlessness when it comes to not all teaching on indwelling sin, but a lot of it. You mm-hmm. know, um, and and I think that it, it's okay to, to just. I'm not saying that you camp only on your indwelling sin as a Christian, right? Yeah, That's yeah. not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that that we have to be able to, to sit there a little bit more and feel some of the weight of it. Because I think what happens if you don't feel the weight of it is is what happens is is, is you're just kind of saying, well, I'm sorry. But then that's false repentance, right? Mm. Uh, repentance isn't just being sorry for your sin. It's yeah. it's turning away from it. And how can you turn away from it if you don't see the magnitude of it? I, I'm going to use another example, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I remember in 2005, I was at the time I was enslaved to pornography, and it was pretty bad. Okay, yeah. it really was. Mm-hmm. I was I was also drinking a lot at this time, yeah. and, and the Lord showed me uh, very clearly, uh, "You're being selfish." Yeah. I started I started thinking about this and my highly analytical and logical brain took it to the to takes everything to the to the pretty much the end of however long that thought is. Yeah. And uh, and I I it hit me you're being selfish. This is selfish. You're serving yourself mm-hmm. and you say that you serve God. And I just sat there and I thought about that thought. And it, and it hit me, and I'm telling you, I have never felt this kind of conviction in my entire life. Mm. It was like it was like a knife going through my heart. It happened over two Sundays, and I, I remember at that time repenting and and feeling the magnitude of it, and and just seeing the horror of it, uh, of that sin that I was engaging in, mm. and. And I prayed. I remember on the second Sunday, I prayed, Lord, help me to be the kind of man that you want me to be. And, and through that, I met my wife, uh, six months later, mm-hmm. uh, about a month after that, we got, we were engaged mm-hmm. and, uh, six months after that, we were, were married. And then, um, then, uh, about a year later after that, I started Bible college and, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, that was, that was huge. Just, just understanding the magnitude, seeing our sin as the Puritans talked about, yeah. you know, seeing our, our sin for what it is. And the magnific- magnificence and brilliance of Christ, um, and then and then obviously mortification is putting your sin to death, yeah. not just saying, "Oh, well, this is a sin," you know, yeah. this is offensive to God, and this is selfishness, as as R.C. Sproul would say, it's cosmic treason, yeah. uh, putting it to death. You know, there, there's Dietrich Bonhoeffer is another one that's been influential in my thinking, and um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a 20th century pastor, a German pastor, and. Um, he had come back to America during World War II, and and then he ended up going back and and ended up getting put to death by the Nazis. And mm-hmm. but he wrote a book called the The Cost of Discipleship, and in it he talks about sheep race, which is which is you know basically living however you want to live, yeah. which is Paul says in Romans six. That's that's against. What what shall you do? Shall, shall you continue living however you want? No, yeah. <laughs> may yeah. it never be. He yeah. says in yeah. Romans six one and two. Yeah. Um, so be, why? Because we Jesus has has taken a heart of stone and he's replaced it with a new heart with new desires. And so what Dietrich Bonhoeffer is saying is no cheap grace is living however you want to. But but actually we have costly grace. It costs the Son of God and the Son of Man um, his his life in our place and for our sin. Yeah. Why? So through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, uh, as he uses the word, he'll convict us of our sin. Uh, that's what Jesus says in the Upper Room Discourse in John's Gospel. And he uses the word to pierce our hearts. And, um, you know, Hebrews 4.12, again, going back to Hebrews, uh, the word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It, it pierces to the, through the flesh and the marrow. It gets to the, what the, the writer, whoever that is, is saying is it gets to the heart of the matter. Yeah. It, it exposes our sin yeah. so that we can repent of it and not just be sorry for it, but turn, turn away from it. Turn, turn away from it, have a general hatred. So that's why I think we have to camp more in our, 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 for just a little bit longer, you know. I'm not saying that we 
are overly introspective. I'm not saying they were however much time that is. I'm saying that we have to sometimes reflect on our indwelling sin. Yeah. We have to understand the, the magnitude and, and the depth of it, some of it. And, and, and in order to like with pornography, I think is especially important because it's such a, it's such a habitual behavior. It's a repeated behavior. So especially with like habitual sin, I think that we have to camp and help people understand, Hey, this sin is really grievous. It, it really is. Gri- I mean, all sin is really grievous. So we're not, we're not saying there's, uh, um, I'm not saying that there's like levels of sin. Some people hear me say that. Mm. I don't think that at all. I'm just saying with any sin, we have to feel some of the weightiness of it yeah. because that helps drive us to Christ. It helps drive us to Christ and to actually repent of it. Yeah. So good. Dave, we're going to have you back on the show um, nearer the launch date, but just tell us really quickly about the uh, couple of writing projects you've, you've recently been involved with. Yeah, thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate that. Um, I've written on a, I've written a book with H uh, and E um, that we're in the process of editing, and uh, that's that's going well. Um, the book is on the problem of biblical literacy and what to do about it. So there, I'm arguing. Uh, we talked about discernment. I'm actually arguing not only for how to read the Bible, but why we read the Bible. Yeah. So I want to get people to love the God who's given us a book. That's the first half of the book. So why do you why do you why do we read the Bible? Why do we study the Bible? Why do we memorize the Bible? Why do we meditate on? It? Why do we apply it? Uh, it's because God has given us a love letter, and He invites us to dine with Him, to eat of it, uh, to use Spurgeon's words of of uh, John Bunyan. And then the answer to biblical literacy that I'm giving is. I uh, won't shock anybody at this point, I think. Yeah. It's to get in the local church, to do life with one another. And, and more than that, just, again, how, why. Um, this kind of came out of a uh, at the end of my ministry at, at a previous church teaching a Bible study. Uh, there was a guy who was, who was older, and I was uh, seasoned, uh, probably 50, 60 years old. And uh, we had gone very slowly through John's Gospel and— um, those things, teaching it, answering, uh, answering all sorts of questions. And he said, I just don't believe that Jesus would harden the Pharisee's heart. You know, in John, uh, I think it's 11 or 12 off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, what? And it just hit me. What he didn't, it hit me like later on after moving to California. It, it, it hit me that what he didn't understand was why we were doing what we were doing. He didn't, he didn't under, beyond just the questions answered, and there were so many questions that he had, he didn't understand why. Yeah. He didn't understand why. And then it got me thinking, wow, this guy was a, he was a faithful church attender. He was faithful in my Bible study. Uh, he, he was in Bible, what's called Bible study fellowship, which is another Bible study. He was in a, in a small group. So, I mean, he was getting all sorts of Bible, but how, then it got me thinking, how many people are like this guy mm-hmm. in our churches? Mm-hmm. Uh, Thousands. I mean, the statistics are alarming, and I and I talk about that in the book. So anyway, that that's the second one. Uh, the first one. The second one uh, was with Free Grace Press, and it's the follow up. It's um, it's on the authority of Scripture. So so if you think about the, the first book is the problem of biblical illiteracy in California. We have wildfires. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you think of the firemen standing at a at a at a, uh, a, 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 a instead of going into the fire, he's standing outside the fire, and the problem of biblical literacy is like that wildfire. It's it spreads an epidemic. It's 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 we're not talking enough about it. Yeah. So that's the first book. Uh, I'm trying to resolve that. But, but the second book is like in the emergency room doctor. Yeah. Say you you got poisoned by a snake or some you know poisonous animal or whatever. You know that, yeah, that would yeah. be a snake, I guess. Yeah. Um, they have to go in and dig it out. They have to deal with it. So in, in the second book, I'm trying to provide a remedy to the poison that has affected our understanding of the authority of God's word and attacks the sufficiency of God's word. So that the first half is just to basically a walk through what is the Bible? You know, uh, uh, what, it, what do these terms mean? You know, inspiration, inerrancy, authority, sufficiency, clarity. Um, the second half of the book uh gets into all sorts of things. Uh, what Adam, is Adam and Eve a real person, real history? I, I believe he is. Yeah. Uh, how do we respond to, and engage with uh, Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses? How do we how do we deal with the gay Christian interpretation of Scripture? Yeah. Uh, 
you know, uh, how do we, uh, you know, how, just uh, how do we, how do we offer a response and love, yeah. you know, to these contemporary topics? And then, and then the book ends with a doxology to the God who has given us to the Triune God, basically. Yeah. So, so good, yeah. Dave. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, I know you're you're great on social media. What's the best way for people reaching out to you? Yeah, man. Thank you so much. That's so kind. Uh, I am uh, on Twitter uh, at Dave J Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, on Facebook, I'm uh, Dave Jenkins. Uh, I believe it's yeah, it's Dave Jenkins S O G. Um, I'm on Instagram. Same thing, Dave Jenkins. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Parlor's the new thing, apparently. Yeah. So I'm on there, too. Uh, you know, uh, I, I like to go wherever people are. Uh, I'm on MeWe. I don't even know what that is, no. but I'm on it. Uh, somebody asked me to be on it. So yeah. you can find me everywhere. Uh, you can go to servantsofgrace.org and, um, you know, uh, under uh, we have a little uh, author thing, a bio, and you can, you can find any of my Facebook, Twitter, uh you know instagram youtube i'm on youtube um you know those types of things so awesome well what i'll do dave is i'll copy all of those links from your bio and i'll put them in the description below this video right now to make it easy for people to reach out for you thank you so much brother that's so kind no worries dave thank you so much for your time i've really enjoyed speaking to you today i've enjoyed it so much thank you brother for being so encouraging to me and uh, to so many people